when I had gone up there, it's right next to like a big freeway. It's very noisy and you can hear all kinds of birds and animals freaking around and all that stuff. But as soon as you step past a certain threshold, it becomes dead silent right next to the road and everything else. And it was really, really eerily creepy in the way that it seems wrong. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of Dark House. I'm Alyssa Fiorentino. And I'm Hadley Mendelson, and we are your co-hosts. If you're new here, in each episode, we spotlight a haunted or otherwise infamous house and dig into its architecture, history, and reputation. But today, we're actually spotlighting an interview with a special guest related to last week's episode where we went to Honolulu, Hawaii. There were simply way too many cool people that we wanted to talk to in last week's episode about the Kasha House of Kaimuki, so we decided to split this interview into a new bonus episode. Today, you'll get to hear our conversation with the one and only Jacob Batalone, who you may recognize as Ned Leeds from Marvel's Spider-Man, or maybe his new show, Reginald the Vampire on Sci-Fi. We talked about everything from his experience growing up on Oahu to what's next for him in his Hollywood career and, of course, ghost stories. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Jacob. Hi, welcome to Dark House. Thanks for having me on. We are very excited. Great, thank you. So to start us off, you grew up in Hawaii. Yes. Will you tell us where exactly in Oahu you lived and grew up and what it was like there? Yeah, so I grew up in this part of town called Salt Lake. It's, it's in Aliamanu, which is, I'd say, like 20 minutes away from like downtown, like Kamuki side. I grew up there and I left when I was 18 to move to New York. Yeah, basically my whole life there <laughs> up until I left. What was that like, that move? Did it feel pretty drastic? Yeah, it was definitely different. I think that Hawaii in its own way is very uh, disconnected from the rest of the world in the sense that we're so far away from everything that we're not really, you know, in tune with what's happening. We're kind of in our own time zone in a sense. And in that way, it was a little like small town mentality a lot of the time. And the things that I was sort of like searching for, like the fulfillment and whatnot, wasn't really offered to me in Hawaii. So yeah, New York just seemed like the best option for me to be far away from everything. <laughs> what part of New York did you move to? Well, I'm, I'm living in Brooklyn now, but I used to live in Queens and I was going to this drama school near the Flatiron Building, which is near Midtown. And yeah, I've been here since 2015 and it's been amazing. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you. You mentioned that you were about 20 minutes away from Kaimuki. Yeah. Are you familiar at all with the Kasha House of Kaimuki? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of the very well-known haunted stories in Hawaii, or like on Oahu specifically. Mm -hmm. Folklore in Hawaii is pretty much based around spiritual energy and all that type of stuff of like disrespecting the land. But what happened, there was actual like news coverage about it and all those things. And so like that was more scary to me because there was actual evidence of it happening. Um, but yeah, it's definitely one of those famous ones like Morgan's Corner or like the Menehune or, or you know, the Night Marchers, stuff like that. Those three that you just listed were those stories that you had been told when you were little and grew up with or? Yeah, absolutely. The Menehune is like, uh, they're like tiny Hawaiian warriors that'll come and kidnap you as a kid if you're not Ooh. doing the right thing. <laughs> and then the Night Marchers were sort of uh, ancient Hawaiian warriors who, you know, haunt like, the Pali Lookout on the east side of the island. And Morgan's Corner is like also like a famous made-up story that is kind of based around an actual thing that happened. This old lady got murdered by two guys Yikes. Um, in her house. Uh, and there was like a whole new story about it. But like growing up, there was like a story about how 
this is like probably the most famous one where a, a couple drive out in the middle of the night. To, I think it's in Uwanu Valley. And there's like this tree out there, like a big, huge tree. And it's late at night. And it's raining, pouring hard and they have no help. So the boyfriend, they park under this tree and he decides to go out to look for help. And the girlfriend falls asleep. And the next day she like wakes up. It's like, fine, there's no bad weather. She gets with the car and then she notices that her boyfriend is hanging like upside down from the tree. Uh, so that's like a pretty famous one. Have you ever driven in there? Yes, that, that's an, it's an actual place that you can visit. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, obviously, I don't think that's true. But okay. the, the story about the, the two convicts murdering the old lady was definitely true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Scary. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so did you grow up believing in this stuff is true? Well, you know, I think in Hawaii, again, we learn a lot of preservation of the land and how spirits help us live. We commune with nature through that sense. And so a lot of those things I absolutely growing up like believed. But do I believe it now? Not really. <laughs> I'd like to see ghosts. I love the idea that there's energy out there, another sphere of spirits that are still affecting the natural world. But, you know, my girlfriend is very practical thinking. And I feel like that has definitely set me trying to think more normally. But I absolutely <laughs> growing up in Hawaii believe that like, you know, Pele, for example, was like, giver of life and energy and, and lava. So I was really into that type of stuff for a long time. But, you know, growing up in New York, it's sort of like, now you're just like business money. Yeah, whatever. I was going to ask <laughs> how that move shifted your yeah. connection to those more like spiritual tendencies. Yeah. I think Hawaii is so separated from, from the mainland. In the mainland, I feel like people are more into like psychics and, and, you know, the spiritual world in that sense. I personally, my mother has like a psychic back home on Oahu that I I had visited with her once and this was before I'd moved out to New York and she had basically predicted that I'd be like in movies and stuff like that and all these things. Wow. And my mother had no idea of all these dreams and aspirations of mine. And I guess like what the psychic was saying to me, I knew that my mother didn't know. Huh. So it was definitely a very eye-opening experience, but I can see and understand how a lot of those things can be misconstrued or you could be like easily manipulated by those things. Mm -hmm. So I kind of take everything with a grain of salt. My girlfriend actually... We had gone to like a, she had like a, she's a very favorite artist of hers. And this artist, uh, her work was depicting tarot cards. And so the, the artist actually had like a tarot reading person at, at the event. Oh, fine. And my girlfriend had actually gone through it. And she, she really just enjoyed the experience of like speaking to someone who mm -hmm. like, you know, doesn't really know anything about her, but who truly is like just reading the room with her. And I think that's totally a bit more than I thought that she'd like about it. So, <laughs> yeah, we actually were speaking with somebody else recently who was talking about natal charts and astrology and how sure. rather than seeing it as this kind of hippie-ish thing, it's more sure. a way to understand your personality, which I think Absolutely. you could say the same about any kind of reading in general. Absolutely. I'm actually yeah. doing a horror movie about horoscopes. <laughs> oh, yeah. You probably are learning a lot. Yeah. I saw that news the other day. Is there anything you can tell us about the plot in general? Yeah. So it's basically about these college kids who, you know, they're like vacationing in the Catskills, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and they come across this old tarot card deck in the house that they're like Airbnb at. <laughs> oh. One of the girls basically like reads everyone's horoscope. And everyone sort of starts to die based on the reading. Oh, jeez. It's like this whole like idea of like trying to change your own fate and like trying to, like, trying to battle what's in the stones. So it's pretty interesting for sure. Do you um, know, can you tell yeah. us anything about what your character is like? Yeah, I mean, basically, I'm like the stoner of the group. <laughs> I think he, he's very 
amiss towards, you know, things of that nature. He's just very much free flowing and whatever happens, happens. But obviously, like as things start to happen, he gets more uh, involved in the idea of trying to change everyone's fate. So it's definitely a very different story, but uh, it should be really fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So did you get your cards read at that same art event? No, I actually didn't. I haven't, I haven't really done a reading uh, like that in a while. I haven't really gone with Psychic in a long time as well. This is really funny, but I, I watched an, an episode of this show called Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Mm-hmm. And he basically debunks like the whole idea of, of like psychics with like facts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But like to me, I, I still find the sort of comfort and solace in the idea that humans are absolutely in tune with like the spiritual world. Like mm-hmm. it may not be like as strong as some other people and it may just be all fake. I like the idea that there's more to humanity than just like the natural world. Yeah. But again, I just, I just take everything with a grain of salt for sure. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I think we're kind of the same way where we're, yeah. we're just open to the idea of other possibilities. Absolutely. Also, I just have fun. I, I just don't want to like be the one guy who like if like a ghost does show up one day and he's like I I knew you didn't believe in me I'm gonna haunt you for your life I don't want to be that guy you know what <gasps> totally. I want the ghost to like me so <laughs> totally yeah do you want to tell Jacob a little bit more about Lapaka and what we spoke with him about yes 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 so we had the opportunity to speak with someone who lives in Hawaii and he runs these ghost tours on the island he calls them experiences because they're more interactive and usually weird stuff starts happening because he also identifies as being a medium. We had like full up and down, full body chills when he was telling us some of the stories. Uh, I think we asked him like, okay, what were some of the others really scary or really popular stops? And he said there was one spot that they had to stop going to on the tours because there was so much activity. So we wanted to ask you if you knew of any other places around the island or just had any other personal ghost stories of your own. And the place to be, in case you do know it, was a cave. Mm. And he said that it was the shark god. Mm, totally. And that on Oahu? Yeah. Okay, yeah. totally. Yeah, that must have been on the east side. I would say the most haunted place on Oahu is like the Pali Lookout, like the mountain on the east coast where basically King Kamehameha I, who united all the islands, he had a great battle to unite everyone. And a lot of people died there. And when I had gone up there, it's right next to like a big freeway. It's very noisy and you can hear all kinds of birds and animals freaking around and all that stuff. But as soon as you step past a certain threshold, it becomes dead silent right next to the road and everything else. And it was really, really eerily creepy in the way that it seems wrong. It seems weird that there's no other animals making noise in this particular area. But for me, I feel like I haven't really experienced anything like paranormal to the point where like it felt as if like, holy shit, I feel like I'm being haunted right now. I mean, Hawaii, again, is like all about the spiritual world. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if everyone has like experienced something. My uncle, he has like the sight. He can see ghosts and whatnot. And he had this full experience of being in this bar on Oahu and he just saw a ghost in the corner of the bathroom. Even back home on Kauai, where he lives, there'd be some headless horseman by his house. <laughs> he would say all kinds of crazy shit. He visited my cousin in Connecticut once, and he threw a piece of steak near like this fireplace that they have outside. My cousin asked him why he did that, and he was like, well, yeah, because your dad's right there, and he wanted some food. So he like, threw Whoa. some steak at him. <laughs> and did, did your cousin feel any like energy there? Yeah, well, wow. he was actually with him at that bar in Oahu, and he felt like really weird vibes in the bathroom before, before my uncle went in. And then when my uncle came out, he just told him there was like a ghost in there and all that stuff. So he definitely has like that type of vibe about him. 
<laughs> are they usually nice ghosts or has he ever had like I guess it depends I remember he told me that if they're white ghosts they're like fine mm-hmm. but if they're like darker that's ominous mm-hmm. so I guess he's only ever seen like white ghosts because he's never been haunted by anyone I guess yeah interesting that's crazy for sure <laughs> I love hearing other people's personal stories about that yeah. because so like I see ghosts and just for sure. you say oh like a white ghost because I've only I've seen a couple when I was way younger that were kind For of sure. full apparitions. Right, right, right. As I got older, I think it's a little blurry. Mm-hmm. And so after that, it was only ever either a black flash or a white flash. So when people Crazy. like hearing you say, oh, white, I was like, oh, oh. Because then it's mm-hmm. just sometimes I would question myself. Right. But if other people kind of like to say the same thing, it kind of reassures you. Totally. And I also feel like it's always a bar and always the bathroom in the bar. Yeah. But it's, it's always the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Always yeah, in the bar. Bad shit happens in the bathroom for sure. I doubt you definitely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we were going to ask you straight up, like, are you, how do you feel about the paranormal and are you a believer? But it sounds like you're a believer. You just haven't had any personal experiences. Yeah, for sure. I absolutely, I'll, I'll take everything with a grain of salt now, but I don't want to see ghosts, but I definitely believe that they're there and around. I believe that when we die, we don't fully like dissolve into the earth and our spirit sort of returns to the universe in a sense. So I absolutely believe in it for sure. Totally. And so, okay, so your new show coming out, Reginald the Vampire, is in that sort of sci-fi paranormal realm. You've also obviously started in the Spider-Man franchise and your upcoming movie, Horoscope. Do you just naturally feel drawn to this sort of genre? Yeah. Well, you know, I just want to work on things that interest me. I, I very much am gravitating towards things that I find to not be, I guess, not as much spoken for. A horror movie based on your horoscope. I just love like the idea that like the name is horror scope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so about that, and the storytelling is really great. So with Reginald, it was sort of the first chance for me to star in my own show and produce my own show, and I, I, so I guess like with each project, I, I try to find something that I'm truly interested in. So I guess in a way, I am pretty drawn to that. It's more just based on what I'm like into it in the, in the moment. <laughs> so what was the process like with this show? How does this work? So basically in Hollywood, producers and directors, for example, they will come up with a script or an idea and they basically run it by your agent or your manager. And if your agent or manager thinks it's a viable piece of work to do, they give it to you. So that's sort of what happened with the show. You know, I think the showrunner, Harley Payton, and the producers, Jeremiah Chechik and Lindsey Graham and Todd, they all were very interested in having me play the lead in the show more because of like the societal impact it has the message behind loving yourself and body positivity and really understanding Mm -hmm. that in society you don't have to look a certain way or be a certain way to be the hero of your own story and you know we just chopped up a lot about like again like the messages behind what it really means to be the hero we had a really productive meeting about it. And, you know, I read the first two episodes. My girlfriend and I actually read the books when they offered me the show. And it was just a very funny, relatable, sweet, and also very dramatic story. So, yeah, that, that's sort of how it kind of came to be. You know, we filmed it in Canada and it, it turned out great. You know, we, we did a lot of hard work, especially during a pandemic. So mm-hmm. we were re- really, really lucky to have made something uh, during a time where, you know, a lot of people were suffering. So we were just, we were just very lucky for sure. Totally. How do you feel like this story evolves the vampire genre, so to speak, with both thematically, but also like you were saying, it's shifting the conversation around what it means to be a hero. So if you could speak more to that. 
I think we're very much used to the whole drab sort of like vapid idea of like what a vampire is. You know, they're all very beautiful and uh, just like brooding all the time. Um, our show does a very good job of poking fun at the idea that not every vampire is like that. That's like the old way of thinking. And Reginald sort of represents the new way, the new ideals, the new system that should be in place, not just in vampire society, but just like in society. Again, like a metaphor for how we operate as a society today in, in the way that we treat people who look good a different way than people who don't look good. And it's just like replacing value in yourself as opposed to letting society tell you what you're worth. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's very much all those things. Yeah. Thematically, like you said, it's sort of like changing from like, oh, vampires are scary, beautiful. to like vampires can be anyone, you know? Um, so that's the main thing. Also, you keep mentioning like beauty standards and stuff. And I think that's a really interesting point too about what beauty even is. Right. It's a social construct, right? Mm-hmm. We are told by these agencies, by like television and movies that this is what beauty is. And like value means nothing if you don't look a certain mm-hmm. It's obviously not just about the way you look, it's but what you have on the inside that really counts and what matters and, and the, all those very good things about what it is to be human. Because psychologically, humans are attracted to what they're attracted to. You know what I mean? Not everyone will find the same thing attractive. And I grew up in a time where, you know, I was told that I couldn't be anything or be worth anything if I didn't lose any weight. You know, that, that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, but now you're starting to see people like, not just like myself, but other people who may not be seen as like the typical leading man type Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of like really gain traction in, in the way of like, we're just trying to represent real life now. We're tired of these really weird buffed up Hollywood dreams, you know, like we're yeah. really just, there's different stories to tell. And I'm really glad that, you know, this narrative is being pushed. Yeah. Thank you. That was a really thoughtful response. And then we had some like fun little questions about what it was like to research your role as a vampire. First of all, what's your favorite vampire artifact, whether it's a book, movie, TV show and why? We do a lot of references to like a lot of famous vampires in the show as well. I feel like a lot of people love Twilight. This is going to sound terrible, but I feel like I haven't really watched many vampire things, but I did read a lot about them. What were you reading? Were you reading other sort of fictional pieces or were you reading more into folklore? We were reading the books called Fat Vampire from Johnny Truitt, the show was based on. And then, yeah, I watched a lot of Dracula, watched Twilight. I really, really love what we do in the shadows. I, I was kind of reading this cinema book, like detailing famous vampires through cinema over the years. And what I found very interesting was that since the beginning, like they definitely wanted to have this air of shrouded in mystery, sort of like mystifying creature that uh, only haunts you at nighttime because the sun will kill them. The tropes were very, very stereotypical. So I, I guess like I kind of got bored of that stuff. But I'm really glad that our show doesn't really do that. It's funny how much this type of folkloric creature resonates because, yeah. I mean, since when was Dracula written? I think like in the 1800s. And we're still, every few years, we have a hit show about it. It's crazy. Like Nosferatu and all that. Yeah. I personally really like it. Yeah, it's it's a really cool thing to be a part of. And we do such a good job of not making it all about being vapid. Everyone is very thoughtful and, and all the characters in the show are very much deeper than the way they look, which is a very, very great thing that we try to portray. So Hadley and I got to watch the first two episodes and I did appreciate the way that you guys were able to include some of those common, you know, that if you're into vampire stuff, then you already know, okay, the vampires don't age past the point of being turned. So I wanted to find out what do you think would be the biggest perk of being a vampire and what do you think would be the biggest drawback? 
Yeah. So since you guys watched the first episodes, I think you guys know that like basically your body is just enhanced based solely on like how you were as a human. Mm-hmm. So for Reginald, it wasn't that much of a difference, but he has enough powers to like get by physically. But you know, obviously with him, he has his own special power uh, that we will later find out find out about. But I, I think that the biggest perk I'd say is probably I, I guess the idea of living forever. You know, in in the way that you can sort of like watch the world change and society change and see where it started to where it's going. For me, I think the scariest thing about not living anymore is not really seeing what the future has in store for us because we're moving in such a way where it's like technology is going to take over the world. And I I feel like I'm going to miss out on a lot of things, you know, like possibly putting my consciousness into a robot or something like that. I think that sort of thing is definitely what piques my interest the most. But if you were someone like Maurice, for example, who like literally worked out and like did everything right to become a vampire, I feel like the world's your oyster. You know, you can Mm -hmm. do whatever you want. So yeah, it's tough to say. I'd say the living forever thing. Your character, Reginald, said something where he, his family was still in Hawaii. Right, right, right. And kind of having that realization of how are you going to be able to maintain that relationship? Was that at all something that you can relate to in normal life because you live so far away? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the writer, I mean, our writers and our producers definitely wanted to make sure that we put a lot of like myself in the show to really represent, you know, not just being like a Filipino American, but also what it's like to be from Hawaii. So I think that was a very big plot point for me. I do sort of agree in that in that sense where it, I barely get to see my family back home. We were actually just on a family trip with them like last week, but that was like the first time in, you know, since I guess since like the Spider-Man 3 premiere. But before that premiere, I hadn't seen them for like two years because of the pandemic. So um, it's definitely been a while. I definitely feel th- this sense of longing because I, I do miss them a lot. And it definitely resonated with me when we when we did that scene because it was very much at that point I did not see my family at all. So uh, yeah, yeah. I remember the restrictions were also really they might still be in place where the quarantine yeah. is more regulated than it is in other states. Yeah, now now it's kind of like a fucking free for all. I feel <laughs> like my girlfriend and I we were in Cannes and then I had gone to Italy and Dublin and like all the rules were changing as I was flying. Wow. Yeah. So it was definitely a really difficult time to travel. Like Hawaii, for a long time, because it's such a small place, it could like spread easily. They were having really, really tough restrictions. And it, this is so ironic, but my girlfriend and I had gone to Hawaii for uh, Christmas vacation like this past year. We actually got in COVID <laughs> when oh, no. we got there. So we, like, we had to spend our first week just like locked up, watching everyone enjoy their lives. It was terrible. We were still like lucky enough to have enough time to see my family and all those things. So. I read a really interesting article too that said it was obviously the location of Hawaii and its isolation and size makes it easier for the disease to proliferate. But it was also making some interesting points about the specific history there meant that they, there was sort of a response in which they were like, we're not letting this happen again with yeah. you know people from the mainland coming just to have fun. Yeah, for sure. It was definitely a whole thing about even before the pandemic, it was this whole thing against tourists being disrespectful towards the land and all those things. But it's a very tough case because tourism is a very big part of the economy there. So mm-hmm. a lot of local people, I, I, like a lot of my friends especially, I, I know were very, very hurt and heartbroken over the idea that, you know, tourists just come to Hawaii and like hide from the virus. You know, mm-hmm. I think it was very disrespectful and um, it was a very difficult time. So yeah. you know, there's a lot of things like that 
Hawaii for a long time was trying to fight for its sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And there was this whole thing about building NASA wanted to build a telescope on the big island. A lot of the main things Hawaiians and people from Hawaii really care about the most is just not interfering with the natural landscape of Hawaii. You know, I think we're very much, you know, not only were they taken over by the mainland and not all, like not only were they like taken over by white people, it's just like, it's all these geopolitical things. So yeah, it's, it's like a whole deal in Hawaii for sure. Yeah, it's an it's a important conversation to be had. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you, because you're also an executive producer on the show, right? So I wanted to ask, how did that change? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sort of the production process for you or your personal schedule because you're not just showing up to film, you're also producing. So how did that change things for you? I'm very lucky to have worked with this production team in particular because, you know, they had really given me the space to be an actor and they had also given me the space to learn about what it's like to produce. So, you know, besides watching everyone work and then having to do my own stuff afterwards, it it was a lot of like understanding the balance of, of wanting to push a show that means a lot to us, but also understanding there's a budget that needs to be made. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a lot of conversations about what things you want in the set, like what is absolutely necessary and what is not really important. So there was a lot of those conversations and there was a lot of like rewatching stuff and rereading scripts and being a part of, you know, rewrites and all those things. So it just gave me another avenue of work to really focus on, which in hindsight made it kind of difficult for me to act because my business mind w- was going crazy while I was trying to perform. And so I-, I think in a way I had to like sort of stop and regroup with myself. It was probably the most stressful thing that I had gone through as an actor. So there was that, but it was a very rewarding experience to really watch everyone grow and and perform and work with a crew that, you know, was mostly local based. And I literally love to do it now. I hated doing like the meetings before work and the business stuff before like the creative stuff and blah, blah, blah. But it turned out to be really great. And, you know, I'm really glad that the show turned out good. So Yeah. Do you have any advice for people? Because Alyssa and I can relate a little bit. When we work on episodes about this, we wear the hat of trying to write this really awesome story and do all the reporting. And then we also have to figure out budget and things like that. Do you have any advice on how to get into the right headspace before you perform? I would say that it's sort of like a separation. There's two sides to yourself in that sense. You know who you are as a performer and you know what you want to do as like a business person. So when those two things coalesce, it, it sort of makes your performance even better in a way. If you fully understand what you're trying to push, I feel like that'll inform your performance even more, if if that makes any sense. Totally. Yeah. And then we also had one other burning question about a topic in the show, which was lucid dreaming, because your character brings it up. Do you ever lucid dream? I smoke way too much weed to like, <laughs> remember like anything that I dream about. Um, but when I don't smoke, 
I, I thoroughly remember my dreams. And that's like a very interesting thing that I've learned about myself. But do I ever like control my dreams? Not really. Cause I feel like when I'm, when I'm dreaming it, it's just taking me on a ride almost. Like I don't have like the mental, well, the subconscious mental power to sort of like control what I have yet. I love the idea that you can sort of do that though. Like I want to train myself to do that, to enjoy my dreams. Mm. But I wouldn't even know where to begin with that stuff. I, I read something about how like you should like picture like a red ball or something when you're dreaming to like let you know that you are dreaming. So Interesting. you can tell yourself to do whatever you want in your dream. But I don't even know how to I I wouldn't even know where to begin with that. Like yeah. I'm just gonna tell my subconscious mind to think of a ball. Like that's <laughs> fucking weird. Like I don't know how I don't know how that would work, but yeah. I know, like I that. feel like you have to have a guide or something yeah. like that. Right, right, right. Cause I can't like and my thing is, if I had like a sleep guide, am I going to listen to him while I'm sleeping? Well, I might just pass out. You know, like, I don't know like how, how that works, but I, I, apparently people are really good at it. I know. I feel like the closest I've ever gotten to it was either during a really good massage or acupuncture. You're awake, but you're in this weird, relaxed space and your eyes are closed and there's this sensory difference going on. Right, right, right. That's crazy. I never yeah. would have thought about that for sure. But I recommend acupuncture. Yeah, I definitely want to try that stuff. My mother tried to put me onto that, but I was like, I don't want to stick needles in my face. Mm, I like, what but I no, that'd be a really cool thing to try. It doesn't hurt, I promise. Oh, cool. <laughs> so between the Marvel Universe and now Reginald Vampire, you've been in a lot of spaces where there are characters with superhuman powers. So even though it's cliche, we have to ask, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Uh, you know, I'd really like to teleport places. Yeah. I, oh. I feel like that would really eliminate all the flying I do. That or like, if I could just like shoot weed out of my hands, really, <laughs> like, that'd be crazy. Um, that'd be a really, really solid superhero. I'd be like weed man or something. Probably be I love that. that. Yeah. There's actually Ziggy Marley wrote a comic book ca called Marijuana Man. And I w this was like back when I was in high school and like in Hawaii, like people love like Rasta stuff. So I was very into the whole religion of Rasta. And I came across this comic book and I was like, wow, this is fucking cool. But now I'm just like, that seems like such a stoner dream. But uh, No, that sounds like we got to get that made into a movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's very fun. I very much resonate, especially with the pandemic, wanting to teleport. That would make life much easier. I do think it's a little disappointing that it's 2022 and it's just not a thing yet. <sighs> that's a crazy science to make up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. <laughs> I just think by now we should have that. That way none of us have to sacrifice like, oh, what's our one superpower on that? Then you could do, I think I'd want to be invisible. Right, 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 right. Because you can do a lot with that. Yeah, you could do like a lot of investigative stuff with that stuff. Exactly. Yeah, that'd be a solid piece. We're pretty nosy. Like I just would love to go fly on the wall wherever. Right. That would be a solid, that would be a really good like superpower if you're like an investigator or like a PI or something. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, we could probably, I bet ghosts try not to be seen. So we could probably go on like a bathroom wall in a club and see more ghosts. Oh, that would be crazy. <laughs> yeah. I guess something with the supernatural, I feel like I'd really mess with. If I was like the gate to like the spiritual world, that'd be cool. That would be really cool. Yeah. You were like the toll person in the booth. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I'm like the person you have to go through to get there. Yeah. Yeah. But then I feel like you'd be busy all the time. There would just be yeah, people rapid right, fire right, coming right. through There's, and you're like, can I get a minute? Cash. 
There's yeah. <laughs> it might end up being like working at the DMV, to be honest, where you're like, this line. <laughs> oh, yeah, that sucks. It's like whole bureaucracy now. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I like the idea of the weed man because I feel like if you could be somebody that could go into any situation and just de-escalate it because like you're just spreading calmness, everybody's chill. That would be really important. Oh my, that would be crazy. I would probably just shoot a beam out of my hand to make people stone. That'd probably be like a more like direct way of doing it as opposed to just like throwing weed out to everyone. You could resolve a lot of conflict that way. I think truly. I was just thinking about the different types of ghosts that you would encounter in Hawaii versus in Brooklyn or yeah. in New York, really. But I was wondering if you'd gone to any local haunts in Brooklyn that you felt were creepy that you could recommend listeners to go to. Uh, my girlfriend and I had gone to, it's like this old home, basically, where like a lot of immigrants would go to. Oh, the and Tenement it, Museum? Yes. I yeah, love yeah. that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we'd gone there. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And I definitely felt some kind of energy back there for sure. But I, I feel like it was probably the most haunted thing we did. <laughs> yeah. Fun. They have so many different types of tours too. I went, I've done two already. I'm kind of a dork when it comes to local history in particular. Really cool though. It's really, really cool to see like where immigrants have gone. Yeah. And there's something transportive too when you're actually interacting with the artifact from that time period. Like this woman wrote in her journal in, I don't know, 1750 or something, that might be off. The date is probably off. But something like that where you really feel their presence and whether or not you believe in ghosts, there's still this sort of energy lingering there. Yeah, yeah. Well, great. I feel like that's it for me. But Alyssa, any last minute things? Your character, Ned Leeds and Reginald, they both have this quality to them of just an inherent sweetness, innocence, and just so kind especially with Reginald and the idea of vampires being a monster. Do you ever see the storyline going that way for him? Like one day you'll be able to play the opposite, like a villain character. Yeah, you know, I'd love to. When I was in drama school, I really gravitated more towards uh, really dark, dramatic things as opposed to comedy and things of like that. But I found, you know, playing Ned and Reginald, it's sort of like given me this like life where... I wasn't seeing things so negatively and I wasn't thinking so deeply or darkly about things. It was a very light presence. And it's been a very positive effect on my life. So I feel like I'm you know, looking forward to doing a lot of other things, which, you know, people may not see me doing right now. But yeah, those things are in the works for sure. Awesome. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. I feel like we say this after every interview, but I feel like he was maybe the nicest person that we've ever spoken to. And we also had the chance to watch Reginald the Vampire, and it's great. His character is also, like him, beyond lovable. So everybody, go watch it. Definitely go watch it. No, we do say that after every episode because we have such great guests, but Jacob is an angel. Like, how is he playing a vampire? He's too sweet, but he, he does it really well. You should check out the show if you haven't already. Yeah. And also that's like kind of what we were just talking about, right? Where he's redefining what it means to be a vampire. And also I feel like his energy and being very kind is part of what makes this show so interesting and not just a reproduction of all the other vampire content, which also to be fair, I would eat right up as well. As if we wouldn't take another season of Vampire Diaries if they were to reboot that. Oh, I know. Okay, can we also revisit the bathroom bar ghost thing? I know his uncle was talking about that, but it reminded me of the story that you told us from last year in the very first episode about the unsolved murder in the nightclub and then how you had to change posters in the bathroom and you would always get really creeped out in there. 
Yeah, I don't know if you could tell by my face, but when he said that about his uncle and how it was at a bathroom and bar, restaurant, whatever it was, I got mm-hmm. freaked out because you're right. I, I have my own story. Go back to season one. The episode first episode one. ever. For very first episode, I talk about Karina Homer and her unfortunately unsolved death in... I interned at the club where she was last seen and I had to change the posters in the bathroom. Just go listen to the episode. I tell about it then. But I got freaked out because my story, his story, and then I know you have a bar bathroom story of your own, right? Yes. And thank you so much for bringing that up because I have been waiting for the right opportunity to tell it. Yeah, please do. Okay. So this bar that was my favorite bar in Los Angeles called Good Luck Bar, it closed, which is really sad. And it was in Silver Lake. I'm pretty sure it was a part of the same building that's the old movie theater in Silver Lake. So I don't know what exactly is the history there, but there's got to be one. I'm pretty sure there are some like offices above it, but it's that like classic, what are they called? The big neon signs at a movie theater. What are they called? Marquee, the big marquee sign. It's very classic. So anyway, you enter the bar on the side and it kind of feels like an opium den. It is very red. There's like lots of jewel tones, old timey booths. There was a private room kind of. It wasn't totally private, but you would go down. So it was a sunken living room vibe with some screens. And you feel very much like you're in a different place. Also, it's subterranean vibes because there's no windows or anything. It's like a low-key dive bar. feels very intimate, very kitschy LA. So my friend and I were there uh, for a birthday party and we were waiting in line for the bathroom. There's a narrow room with the sink and then there's like saloon swing doors that lead you to the actual bathroom. It's kind of like a room within a room and it's small. Mm -hmm. My friend and I, we realized we've been waiting forever and we're like, this is so weird. We saw someone enter a while ago with like dark black hair down to their waist and they're just taking forever and the line was getting super long behind us. Eventually we're like, okay, let's just knock. And then this more aggressive person behind us is like, why don't you guys just go in? And we're like, we can't, there's someone in there. She opens the door then. And we're like, what? How did you open it? We tried and it was locked. And we're obviously also feeling like stupid because now there's this huge accumulated line. And she goes inside and she's like, there's no one in there. I don't know what you're talking about. So we're obviously really creeped out and we're like, okay, there's got to be like a trap door exit. There was only one little window that led, I'm pretty sure, to either the building behind it or like a little alleyway. But it was one of those like beveled glass windows where you can't really Mm -hmm. see what's behind you. And so we're really creeped out, whatever we go and then we leave. And I was determined to figure out what the fuck was going on in that bathroom. So I went back like a week later and I still have a picture of it. I can post it to our Instagram or something where you just see this urn above the toilet. I don't know if there's ashes in it or anything, but it's weird. And my friend and I, who that happened with, we still talk about it like regularly because I think that was the only time I ever saw a full body apparition, if I did. I love how you went back on your Nancy Drew bullshit and <laughs> took a picture. <laughs> That's your takeaway? You're not scared? No, because you said there was a window and I'm thinking, okay, Harry Potter, she flushed herself down the toilet. Oh, But I think, honestly, I think a ghost is the best uh, out of all the choices here. Yeah, I agree. Back to Jacob. You watched Spider-Man, right? Well, you know what? If we're going to talk about what an amazing person Jacob is, I had never seen Spider-Man, any of them, until literally this week before we were interviewing him. Wait, not even the Tobey Maguire version? Nope. Oh my God, I'm, I'm not, kiss in the rain. I'm not a superhero girl. Obviously, everybody knows that scene. Like, I'm a <sighs> pop culture junkie, so I'm familiar. But I'm not a superhero comic book gal. So I've never <laughs> seen 
any, any superhero movie whatsoever. I feel like there was so much buzz around the latest one that came out. And, you know, Zendaya is amazing. It's anything she does, we're talking about. Yeah. But I still, it wasn't enough to spark my curiosity to, to look into that. But then once I was doing research on Jacob and watching interviews with him, he just seemed so sweet. I decided I was going to watch. And I think I watched all three of them in a day or in a night. Oh, so yeah, they must have been pretty I, good. They were good. And also, I never got the hype around Tom Holland. And now I can confirm he's hot. Watch Spider-Man. I do think it was interesting how you were asking him if he ever would want to play a villain. Because I know that there was some rumors around what's going to happen with Ned's character. And he didn't tell us what's going to. And I feel like I could see it going either way. But interesting that he said he's open to it. And that's actually what he's drawn to doing. But I loved his response about doing things that make him feel good and yeah, yeah. Know, light versus dark. Although I would love to see him take on a bigger role in the Marvel universe where his character could do a flip. But also, why ruin a perfectly good, nice guy character by making yeah. him a villain? That seems a little because unfair. Because that's the world we live in. <laughs> I much prefer what's happening on Reginald the Vampire where the nice yeah. guy just so happens to fall into this villain category persona. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but he's kind of proving... That he's not a monster. Or that it's not this one-dimensional identity, that it can actually be more complicated than that. Even in Vampire Diaries, everybody has their dark era. Yeah. They all kind of go through their villain arc. So it would be interesting to see them do that on Reginald the Vampire, but... Wait, did you watch True Blood? No. Oh my God. I think you should give it a shot, especially season one. And one of the Skarsgård brothers, isn't it? We'll see. Maybe when I'm done with Reginald the Vampire. Yeah. One other thing about how he was saying he absorbs the lightness of his characters that are positive. Mm -hmm. It kind of creeps me out to think of Heath Ledger playing the Joker. Mm -hmm. And then, oh my God, I can't believe I'm blanking on my celebrity crush's name, Joaquin Phoenix. There we go. Oh, he played the Joker too? Yeah. In the origin story. I saw TikTok saying that Michael B. Jordan had to go to therapy after playing his character in Black Panther. So very similar. Yeah. There are just certain characters or certain stories where you just get to deep in the weeds. I feel that way sometimes with our houses. I know, I know. Where I like become the spirit from the house. For like weeks, I couldn't stop talking about Charles Manson, so. <laughs> well, we're ready to close the loop on all things Kasha House of Kaimuki. So I hope that you all enjoyed this conversation. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review, give us a rating, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Dark House. Thank you.